0: If we obey His Word then we walk in the light He is the way and the truth And in Him is the light If we obey
1: Good to be with you this morning, good to be able to share some time, share some coffee. I'm told it's a slick morning outside, I've heard the, uh, the uh, salt trucks going, the snow plows going here in Maine anyway, probably not so much so down in Virginia, I would assume, but uh, definitely going here as we've had uh, winter fall upon us. Surprising to me to have winter fall upon us. and uh, But it's okay. We'll take it. We live in Maine. We are in Luke chapter 15 today is where we're going to pick up looking at some of the parables that Jesus uh, taught. Uh, parables about what's valuable. So uh, we pick up in Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 1. Today, back before I do that, I want to pray. It was a prayer request first right out of the gate for uh, uh, Dinah Kay's daughter, Shara, uh, having some medical issues. So we do want to pray for Shara, Lord, that you would strengthen her, that you would heal her, whatever measure, whatever level of whatever is going on, that you would uh, intervene in her situation, Lord, we lift Shara to you. Uh, help her to find the, the right help that she needs, the right doctors, the right nurses, the right counsel uh, for her situation, the right uh, medications, uh, the right applications. So Father, we lift her to you. We lift Dinah Kay to you, Lord, as uh, the burden of heart as a parent uh, is is always uh, upon a parent. And so we, we lift Dinah to you as well. Comfort her heart, give her your peace. And now, Lord, give us your guidance as we look into your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke 15, the parable of the lost sheep. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Now the first thing I would say, well, let me come back to that. I'll keep reading. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? and when he finds it he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home and he calls his friends and neighbors together and says rejoice with me i have found my lost sheep i tell you then in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent interesting thing pharisees uh the teachers of the law we're all muttering about he eats, he welcomes sinners and eats with them. The question would be, who is not a sinner? Apparently, they didn't think that they were sinners. And uh, that had some impact on their thinking. The fact is, we're all sinners but he was going out and eating with the people who had no religious regard who had no uh, righteous uh, righteous or self righteous standard or standing uh, and that's that's who he was going out and spending time with that really bothered them and sometimes the religious lot can can become like that can become all wrapped up in the fact that uh, Savior or Christians, some Christians, uh, are going into these places and doing these things that they would think, uh, well, a good Christian ought not do. Good Christians ought to be in the church all the time. Good Christians ought to be in a Bible study all the time. You know, good Christians would be prayerful all the time, which is true, but they would think, you know, with, with the Bible open on bended knee, Uh, good Christians wouldn't hang out with tainted people. Well, the, the theology, the philosophy, and the ethos of Jesus are just the opposite of that. He did hang out with tax collectors. Tax collectors in those days were known as people who would charge extra fees and exorbitant prices well beyond the tax itself. Then it says, sinners, people who had no religious regard. They gathered around to hear Jesus. Why did they gather around to hear Jesus? Because he was speaking truth that brought life. Because he was bringing, uh, he was speaking truth that brought forgiveness. He was speaking truth that brought liberation uh, and freedom, and not uh, truth that oppressed for the pharisees their truth oppressed for oftentimes moralistic christianity we have been known over the years a lot has changed but if you're a good christian you will be in church on sunday morning for sunday school sunday eve sunday morning for church sunday evening wednesday evening participate in a committee uh you won't play and this is years and years ago this is old thinking i It was foreign to me when I first heard about it here not that long ago. But, you know, we we don't play cards on Sundays. We'll play cards any other day of the week, but we won't play cards on Sundays or we won't swim on Sundays or we won't all these different things. Well, then, do you watch television on Sunday? Do you watch live football on Sundays? Well, they're playing football on Sunday and you're enjoying it. Kind of some double standards there. You know, if you dressed right and you spoke right, at least while you were at church, you were considered a good Christian. Never mind the fact you could out of the local store and uh, uh, tell a coarse joke because you're not in the church. You see that you see the double standard there. You see because we go to church. No, friends. No, no, no. It isn't about going to church. It is about um the message of the gospel that we have to give to people. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Now, when we get into the parable here, uh, sometimes I I will have people press on me, and there's there's some wrestling we can do over over this a little bit, and, and I suppose I need to wrestle with this some as well. Because Jesus tells the parable. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Now, the question I would ask is, who is the lost sheep? Is it the Christian who wants to defy the the ways of the gospel? Uh, Is it the Christian who um, wants to uh, have... Practices that, that really are outside what is a, being a good witness uh, and and think, hey, this is all A-OK. I mean, is that is that who we're talking about? Is the Christian who uh, maybe, and this happens, Christian who maybe says, I don't, and it's unfortunate, but I'll use it as an example because it is an ongoing example in way too many churches. You don't know, like the music. They leave because it's too old. They leave because it's too modern. Um, And, you know, we want to go after them. And and so we wrangle and we wrestle sometimes as as church leaders to try to appease everybody, uh, all to great failure and to great weight upon ourselves, to the great wearing out of ourselves. When the question at hand is, do you want the things of Jesus? Do you want the things of Christ, like he would say in John chapter 6, and let you eat, unless you eat my flesh and and drink my blood, you have no part with me. Uh, The idea of unless you're about the ways of Jesus, and there are people who are about the ways of religiosity, there are people who are even about the ways of salvation, they they will be in agreement about the the fact that um, salvation is found in no other name but the name of Jesus, but they're not thinking about discipleship. Let's just get them to heaven. That's all that matters. Well, no, that is not all that matters. Friends, that's very small, very limited gospel thinking. Um, But there are people who don't want any part of that. Uh, And so to go chasing after those people that uh, that don't want the way of the gospel uh, can, can lead to great frustration and futility. What do we do? We pray for those people that they will want the ways of the gospel. I mean, this parable starts out talking about pursuing lost people, Jesus spending time with lost people, tax collectors and sinners, uh, i.e., perhaps considered lost people. And Jesus is talking. In fact, the end of the parable uh, in verse 7 it tells us this it makes clear, I tell you, that in the same way there will be. More rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Um, now, we could have a, a limited thinking, or we could broaden our thinking out a little bit from verse seven. Uh, the sinner who repents—I mean, that—that that can be the non-believing sinner who repents and gives her life to Christ. I mean that—that that I believe is the uh, actual, correct. Uh, interpretation of what this verse is saying. However, could it open up a little bit more and be talking about the wayward Christian? Could it be talking about the Christian who is fallen by the wayside and uh, who who is repenting and coming home? I mean, I, I think there's rejoicing there as well and and we should rejoice uh, at the at that level as well. Many of us have uh, perhaps children. Who are wayward, who at one point uh, professed faith in Christ, perhaps even uh, showed great, uh, great joy in Christ. Who uh, step away from the path, and yes, absolutely, we should want them to get back on the path uh, of following after Jesus. And perhaps they are. Maybe they're 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 disenchanted with the church. That happens, and uh, you know. As as a church, Veracity Chapel can't be all things to all people. Uh, I've tried for a dozen years, and it doesn't work. And uh, so um, we're trying to be a a place that uh, just teaches the truth uh, faithfully and uh, uh, prays for salvation, prays for people to decide to align themselves with the ways of Jesus uh, because that's what we're supposed to do—be like Christ. Uh, so back to the parable in verse four, he says, "Suppose if you ha- suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them, now he's he's talking, you know. Uh, so there's ninety-nine sheep. Uh, doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home." Calls his friends and neighbors together, says, "Rejoice with me! I have found my lost sheep." Um, now, I, I've just kind of delineated that out the between the 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 actual repentant sinner that we're looking at, as uh, defined in verse seven, uh, and and the the Christian who has become wayward. I think there's a big difference between the wayward Christian uh, and the Christian who just philosophically disagrees with how the church functions. In different churches function in different ways, but you think of the joy, He finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Um, sometimes, as a pastor, I'm asked to go capitulate. Uh, you know, so that somebody might come back, uh, but we're caving uh, to uh, to their whims uh, and maybe not even asking for repentance at, at, at certain levels um, when people do come back, when people do come home. It, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, and again, you go back to the beginning of the parable. Verse 1, really the issue is not, oh, how do we keep all the Christians happy? That's not it. How do we get out there with people who don't know Jesus to eat with them, to, to uh, have coffee with them, to seek to point them to Christ? The Pharisees, teachers of the law, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Uh, that was the issue that they were having with Jesus because, you know, he he, he didn't do the religious thing. Now, he continues on with another parable here uh, in this passage about the parable of the lost coin. And then he'll get into the parable of the prodigal son. Let's look at this next parable. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? Let me just tell you for a second about, you know, uh, searching the house for things. We just moved. yeah, You you know that. The background behind me, and we still have some things kind of stacked up. Over on the bookshelf behind me here, things we're trying to get, things tucked away. But um, there are times when, when we're saying, well, where'd that go? Where did I put that? Where's that packed away? Where is... Cause we don't, you can't always find things we're looking for. We did that yesterday afternoon. There was uh, something that uh, we brought in just in the last few days, actually, and uh, ran around the house for, I don't know, 20 minutes, half hour looking for it and finally found it. Uh, I mean, we weren't sweeping the house, but we're saying, look, this is one of the last things brought in. It's been in hand since in this house. Where is it? Um, uh, But you, Maybe you drop something and it rolls underneath the couch. So what do you do? You move the couch and realize, oh, you know, there's there's the dog's bone. There's the dog's ball. Oh, there's that uh, silver dollar I dropped and I was looking for. So passage saying this. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins, loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she finds it, she calls her. Uh, her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin in the same way. I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Now a question would be, you know, how broadly do we interpret sinner who repents is sinner who repents. Are we talking about, um, Are we talking about someone coming to faith in Jesus, repenting and giving their life to Christ? That would be how we would most often interpret this. And this is where we would most often become excited in the life of a church. When we see somebody come to faith in Christ, rejoicing in the uh, the presence of the angels or how the angels rejoice over one who repents, verse 10, verse 7. Uh, saying largely the same thing, maybe a little bit different uh, twist on it uh, to to help us understand, but the idea of searching and and if we take this and step aside from we're trying to win back the Christians and friends. Honestly, I mean, I I I do have a burden for dischurched people. Uh, People do belong in the body of Christ. That is the biblical teaching. There are Christians who will say, well, I can be a Christian, but I don't need the church. That's not true. Uh, That's a misnomer. That's a misstatement because we are created for the body of Christ. However, what we've done in the last 500 years is, is create 500 plus years as we have created churches Uh, that that have structures and systems and ways that maybe go beyond the gospel. And I'm not saying they're bad things. I've been a pastor for 36 years. I'm part of those systems and structures and ways of doing things. Uh, But sometimes people need to find the body of Christ in ways that don't have all that stuff. Uh, And they would fellowship. And, And there are Christians who fellowship on a regular basis, on a weekly basis even, with maybe a dozen other believers, and they pray, and they study scripture, and they take communion, and they have fellowship together, uh, and they are active in the world, they're active in in the proclamation of the gospel, Uh, those people are not in the wrong. It's the people who say, I can watch on TV only. It's the people who say, you know, I have my few favorite peoples, the David Jeremiah's, the uh, Alistair Beggs, the John MacArthur's, and that's all they do never participate in the body of Christ. They are missing the heart of the gospel in, in not only bringing the individual, because the gospel is not meant to be individualistic. It's meant to be communal in nature. Um, but so those people who, uh, end up finding themselves in a place of fellowship with other believers, I don't think they're wrong. I, I had a conversation with a lady uh, just this past week that was talking about people who go to Bible studies but never go to church. Uh, are they fellowshipping with other believers? Yes. Are they studying the scriptures? Yes. Are they praying together? Yes. Uh, are are perhaps they they giving to God's causes in in a variety of ways? Perhaps yes. Now that that's one missing component sometimes in the house church model. Um, are they uh, are they worshiping? Yes. Are they fellowshipping? Yes. Then I believe they are accomplishing what is modeled in Acts chapter two. But we have to be careful to not castigate the the big mega church or the house church if they are meeting the standards established by God. Back to the parable, this lady uh, says when when she finds it, she searched diligently. You know, are we searching diligently for lost people? Uh, Are we seeking to have lunch or dinner or breakfast or coffee uh, with lost people? Are we going to movies with lost people? Are we going to... uh, Uh, sporting events with lost people. I mean, with literally with not, not because they happen to be there and we're there too. I mean, but saying to a lost friend, Hey, you want to go to the sporting event with me? Or, Hey, would you go watch this movie with me? And and afterwards we'll go grab a a cup of coffee and talk about our thoughts and and being very intentional about using movies in that way. Friends, there are many, many, many ways that we can um, reach out to people. Uh, Uh, There there are lots of people around the world who've used evangelistic Bible studies to which they would invite neighbors, perhaps using the Alpha course as something. And they invite neighbors in who don't know Christ and say, look, this is not a Bible study for Christians. This is a Bible study for people who have questions about it, and we want to help you learn. And if, if they were to press and say, do you want me to become a Christian? Obviously, yes, but I'm not going to force you to. I want you to discover your way into your faith. That's what we're talking about here, that type of thing. Now, I'm not going to pick up in the prodigal. There's just not time to go into that parable this morning. We'll cover that tomorrow morning. But the idea of searching for the coin, the idea of searching for the lost sheep, that we'd be going after those things, that that, that would be what we do. That, that would be our heart set, uh, that we would we would see that. Now, my prayer is that churches would come to the place uh, where every week we have stories of people leading to Christ. Now, le- leading others to Christ. Now, oftentimes we, we're, we're thinking of, especially those of us that are older. I mean, I'm I'm almost a 50-year Christian, uh, and I can go back to the times of altar calls, and just as I am without one plea, or uh, bow your head, close your eyes, uh, you know, and, and raise your hand, or come forward, or all those things, that's all good. That's wonderful. Praise God for those things. However, what would be more exciting would be that you are cultivating relationships with people. Christians are cultivating relationships with people, um, sowing the gospel in there, and uh, ultimately saying, you know, do you want to pray to trust Christ? That's that's the stuff that I think would be the Jesus way. And so then they show up at the worship service, the the, the joint gathering of believers to worship God and and be able to worship and say, I'm bringing some angels with me today to worship because my friend Joe trusted Christ this week. And, uh, you know, we've been praying for Joe for the last nine months. And finally today, Joe said yes to Christ. If we would see that as a regular uh, part of the, life of local churches. Churches would grow, churches would flourish, but too often we we focus it on the program. We focus it on the church service. When, when you know, you're at the church service, at least in our church, for about an hour and a half, uh, and you're living the rest of your life with how many ever hours there are in a week beyond that circle, that's where your impact, now take out your sleeping hours, let's just average it to eight hours. Some sleep 10, some sleep 6. Yeah, I know there are some who sleep 12 and some who sleep 4, but you take all the hours spent outside of church and and think about the gospel impact, not of the preacher, but of the people, all of us having that gospel impact beyond the walls of the church by how we live our lives and how we intentionally seek to build relationships with non-believers. Well, friends, we're out of time for this morning already, the time has flown right on by. I want to pray for you and get you into your day. Lord, I pray for anybody that's going out on the roads, keep them safe. I pray for anybody that's going out on the roads, uh, that uh, you would help them to be alert, protect them from not only themselves and distractions, but other drivers. And uh, that, Lord, you would help us today to be thinking about who are our people for whom we pray, the people for whom we reach to whom we reach out we would like to see come to faith in Christ. Help us, Lord, to search out the lost and cultivate, plant, and reap for a fruitful harvest for Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, have a fantastic day. We will see you tomorrow.